Good morning, everyone. If you would take a moment and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, actually continuing to read in 1 Corinthians 12 where we left off before. We have been reading from Corinthians about Paul um, addressing the brethren there. And we've been studying the many ways, uh, some very specific ways, that a congregation can be divided. And um, Paul has been constantly dealing with that uh, in these first few chapters of his letter to the Corinthians. Now, regardless of the type of divisions that we have read about, that we've considered, the root really is the same. All divisions are caused, any kind of divisive attitude is caused because of, uh, or situation, because of selfishness. I mean, that's really the root of everything. A simple disregard uh, for the desire and the urgency to glorify God in everything. That's the reason divisions happen. Whatever the specific idea is, um, in terms of what we've been looking at here, is really of no point at all. Paul says they're dividing not over doctrine, they're simply dividing because they are being selfish. And so individually we can look at ourselves and we can see we're very different kinds of people. Each one of us comes from different backgrounds. We have different races, different cultures. Uh, Some of us uh, read the Bible every day and have for years and some of us uh, read a little less often. We have maybe... Uh, a heftier schedule and we put it in as much as we can and we're struggling to do more and more and our knowledge may be at different levels. And so all of these things are understandable, aren't they? This happens from time to time. These things go on. And we might even look at the divisions that are going on in Corinth and we might say to ourselves, that seems like it would be pretty normal. We almost come into the mindset in our day and age that just because of our differences, divisions are pretty normal things. It's a sad state of mind to be in, of course. And the, the, the Corinthians were in this type of a state of mind. And there are many natural differences that can contribute to divisions, even between those that are basically like-minded in faith. But Paul simply tells these Corinthians, and he comes across time to us as we read the Scriptures, and he tells us, Divisions are not normal in the Lord. You cannot be divided. We have the doctrine, we have the knowledge, we have the gospel, we know what the truth is. And to divide over anything else is unnecessary. It's selfish. And so when we read this, this is what we understand. And he talks about it in terms of being that one body. And that's the idea that he gives us here in this passage that we're going to read. The idea that we are one body. And so where we continue there in in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 13, I'd like to read those two verses with you. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What, a, what an absolutely beautiful picture that he shows there about unity. About the idea of being undivided. And he, he alludes to the, the body itself, the human body. 
which I think sometimes we forget is the preeminent creation on the earth. And he doesn't talk about it just in parts. He doesn't talk about it just as a face or a hand or something like that, like we might in our own limited way. He says the body is, is, is the point here. The human body is particularly unique in all of creation. The human body is suited for dominance in this, in this world that God has created for His purposes, for our use and our understanding. And so, Paul goes straight to that idea. And he says, and our body is baptized with and does drink of the one Spirit. And he's talking about the church there. He's talking about us as Christians. He alludes to the body to let us know, to get this picture in our mind, a picture lesson, that we are supposed to be united in the same way the preeminent creation of the world is united in walking around. My right arm is over here, my left arm is over here, but it's connected. And I can make them both go in the same direction, or I can make them go in the... And it's just wonderful how it all just is orchestrated together. And he's, he's painting that picture for us so that we can look at it and see it. And then he says this beautiful, beautiful thing, that all of us drink of the Spirit. You know, if you turn with me to the book of Acts, and we've probably read there many times. And Acts 2, 38 and 39 is one of the most you know, noted uh, scriptures that we can run across in the New Testament. And notice what Peter says to them. In Acts 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And we have spoken many times about that gift, that salvation, that promise that is to everyone. And this is what Paul is alluding to. He's saying that we are all drinking of that one Spirit. Not not just a few, not just a select number, not just one. But all of us are drinking of that. And so he tells us there is a connection between being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit. And that understanding that goes around that. There is no difference between those two things. We receive the Holy Spirit when we are baptized into Christ. And Paul is letting us know that is our common experience. That is the Corinthians' common experience. How could they find unity in something? They have something of commonality. They were baptized together to link to the spiritual. To come in contact with the blood of Christ. To have this eternal hope of everlasting life. That's how they're all connected. Just as the body has several things that are connected together. They're all connected together because they are all baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. And they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Being baptized into Christ, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's our common conversion experience. And that's something that we have to understand reading the Scriptures. And we have to accept. Especially in the world that we live in. We live in a world where people say they are spiritual. 
or they have religion of some kind because of some experience they went through. A feeling that they had. A dream that they had. A voice that they heard. Uh, something spectacular that happens to them. All different experiences, right? And see, this is why Paul illustrates this. In Corinth, there were some that could speak in tongues. We already talked about that. And they were elevating that ability. And he said, you don't elevate that ability. It's just like the one who can prophesy. It's just like the one who can utter knowledge. Why are you elevating one over another? Why are you divided? He says, you shouldn't be divided. You all had the same common experience. And he tells that to us today. You're not converted because you felt something. Because that's a divisive idea. You are converted because you were all baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Because you were convinced that you needed your sins washed away. That brings you together. That makes it the commonality between us. He wouldn't let the gifted brethren at Corinth get away with that. And so he's not going to uh, allow us to get away with that. By extension, even now when we have so many different views in religious bodies around us, and perhaps even among us, so many different views. We are one body because there is no difference between one baptized believer or the other. If there is, as in Corinth, then we are divided. And that's what Paul is making seriously and evidentially clear here. We have to experience the same activity. And we have to experience that same activity according to the authority of God. Or we are experiencing something else. And we have to be careful about that. Baptism is that activity. Baptism for the remission of our sins is what is authorized as the only entrance into the kingdom of God. Into the hope of salvation. When somebody says, you know, I, I'm saved because I believed. That's not in the Bible. You are saved because you believed and you responded to it. You are saved because you confessed that you are a sinner and then you are baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins and you come out of the waters of baptism because God commanded that. Because that's what Peter was talking about in Acts 2. And we all have that common experience and it's supposed to bind us together in a way that nothing else can do even though there's diversity among us. Like I was talking about before, even though we come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, things like that. That's supposed to be the common bond. Look at what he says there in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 20 with me there. In 12, 14 through 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less of a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single, single member, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We are different, but we have shared in our conversion. We are exactly the same in that. If you say, well, you know, I was walking down the street one day and I had a feeling, I can't connect to that. I I am not converted in that way, am I? And so that may give you the alternative to look at me and go, well, then maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you're not spiritual. See, these are the deceptions of falsehood. These are the deceptions of division. Because my experience was greater than you, God is closer to me than you, you see. No, no, no. You are a liar. And there is no such thing as that. And I will not allow myself to be connected to a lie. And God wouldn't provide so that I could do that either. And so therefore I know that God in His wisdom and His justice and His power and His might and His providence made salvation accessible to each and every one of us in something that we could have in common in our faith. And that conversion is our common. That's what we have to understand. And that's what we have to know based on what we read in the Scriptures. Anything else we have to talk ourselves into. We have to lie to ourselves or others about. And somebody say, well, I'm telling you the truth. I felt this. What was it? I don't know. I do not know. But all I know is it wasn't a common conversion experience. That we can all share in. I did not hear that voice that you heard. And that could be a different problem. I did not have that feeling that you had. And that could be a problem. What we can all do is we can all read the scriptures. We can all be convinced my life isn't like that. And we can all be convinced that we need to repent and turn my life to that. And be baptized to wash away what it was before and live in newness of life to what it should be, we can all have that in common, can't we? And that's how we know we're being lied to, when we cannot have something in common. Could the person uttering knowledge have the same understanding and feeling as the one speaking in tongues? Well, sure they could if they were united, but they weren't. This one was being elevated, that one was not. There was the division. Selfishness had invaded Corinth, and caused them to be divided. It had nothing to do with the gifts. They were all exercising their gifts as they were given. But they were being selfish about it. And that's what caused them to be divided. They could have made this exactly the same thing, but they did not. And so, we don't need to allow diversity of any kind to stagnate or destroy that one body. What happens when we allow division to happen, someone feels like they don't do as much. You know, I can't get up there and give a sermon. I can't get up there and lead a song. I can't get up there and word that eloquent, articulate prayer that brother so-and-so, you know, that, that was beautiful, brought me to tears. I can't do that. It makes me feel like a second-class citizen. No. No, what did you do for someone today or this week? Well, you know, I went up to a friend at work and I hugged them because they were having a bad day and I said, you know, God bless you. We all have bad days and if you need anything, I'm here and I'm be praying for you. You know, and that's just as good as an eloquent 
40-minute sermon or whatever. You know, that's, that's just as powerful, if not more. You know, those are incredible things that we can do. And we're supposed to be united in that. Understanding, I can't do what you can do, brother or sister, but I'm doing what I can do. Because Paul's going to teach us here that when you're doing what you can do and I'm doing what I can do, we're actually doing the same thing. Not in the same way, but the exact same thing. Oh, I can't lead songs like that. I'm, I'm a little discouraged. I sound like a cat being stepped on in an alley, you know. So what? God doesn't hear that. God hears the song, the sacrifice, the praise. God hears the words of your heart. One of the most beautiful things I remember every time I see Martha now, I'll never forget this. She goes, sometimes I don't know what to pray to God, but I cry and I cry. And she goes, Joe, maybe I don't have the words, but he can read my tears. And I say, of course he can. Of course he can read your tears. Of course he can know what you... I can say all the wrong things, flub all the words, you know, stumble over myself verbally over and over again, and God knows <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> have you ever done that with your family member? You have a family member that sits there and looks at you and goes, well, I don't... And, 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 you know, this, and, 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 and you go, oh, I know what you mean. Oh, good. Okay. Why? Why do you know that? Why is it that when James or one of the kids or I talk to each other and we flub over words, the other one goes, got it. Why does that happen? Because we're a family. We grew up around each other. We know each other perfectly. I can look at the expression on their face and tell exactly what, they, what they're feeling. They don't have to say a word, right? This is the way that God is with us. And this is the way we're supposed to be with each other. And this is what Paul is talking about here. There should be no one inactive or feel that they need to be inactive or discouraged or leave. There should be nothing like that. Because everybody can do something, so do that with all of your might. You know, we're a small congregation, aren't we? You know, and, and you know, we look around and we can say, you know, I get nervous. Talking to the Bible about somebody, I think I'm going to fall apart and melt every time I do it. And so I don't know. And so I don't know what to do. And I feel so bad. But you, but that same person goes home and gets on their knees every day and says, God, please provide someone to come through the door who I can talk to. <laughs> provide someone to meet me at work that will listen. Provide for me someone in the line at Walmart if you need to, whatever it is, so that I can talk to them and we can connect. God, will you provide that for me? Of course. We can't do the one thing. We can do the other. It's God that makes it happen. I don't make it happen. You don't make it happen. God makes it happen. And so we do everything we can with all our might, He will provide. And we have to be content with that and understand that so that we don't get discouraged. So that we don't become an actor. So that we don't leave. What's your role? What's your thing? What's your work? I tell you what, please be that for us. And then we will do all that we can to be that for you. <laughs> 
We're all doing our own thing, but we're doing it together. That's the idea. We're different because we're different. It's so easy to lose focus. Decide we're not worthy to continue. Perhaps shake or or leave the faith. No, this is the great teaching of our passage. That does not have to be that way. We're studying Jonah on Wednesday night, right? What did he do? God said, Jonah, uh, go to Nineveh and preach to them. They're sinning and I want them to repent. And what does Jonah do? Nineveh? You know they kill their own children. God, what, what are you talking about? You know, they serve pagan gods there. I wouldn't soil the, the the sole of my feet walking into that city, much less preach to them. <laughs> Jonah, <laughs> go to Nineveh and preach. They need to repent. I'm not going to do it. I quit. It's exactly what he said, basically. He left the officer. Could you imagine being a prophet of God and going, I'm done. I quit. I know this is what I am. This is all my duty. This is all my responsibility. This is everything that I am, but I'm not going to do that. I would do anything, as that song says, for love, but I won't do that. Right? I'll do anything for you, God, but that. Give me something else. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Again, God comes again and again and again to Jonah. He doesn't give up. Jonah's giving up. God's not giving up. Jonah's doing this and God's doing this. We serve God who follows us. Regardless of our sins. Regardless of our rebellion, He follows us and implores us. Find that arrangement anywhere in the world. You won't. You can't. Our God is a powerful, loving, patient, enduring God. And and this is who we serve. So how are we supposed to be with each other? Powerful, enduring, patient. (laughs) Same kinds of things. And we do it any way we can. Why? Why? Because we're dependent. Boy, there's a word we don't like. Okay, there's a word we do not care for. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 again, please. Verses 21 through 26. Notice the cannot. (laughs) The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So difficult, isn't it? To have that kind of dependency. 
That's not in our nature. That is not our national motto. Our national motto is not be dependent. Our national motto is independence. We get used to that. And we often forget that that's not a good thing. And if we're a child, maybe it's easier for us. If we're a spouse, maybe it's easier. Every time a child and a parent relationship goes down, somebody's not being dependent. Anytime a marriage goes bad, somebody's not being dependent. And I don't mean dependent on each other. I mean dependent on God. Because we like being independent. Especially towards others we don't know if we can trust. We teach kids right when they're young, stranger danger. Right, We've instilled in our children from a very young age um, that they shouldn't talk to strangers. And I, I know we look at that and we go, wait, uh, we're supposed to do that because there's killers and murderers in every every two feet, right? You know, I don't know about you, but when my kids were young enough not to talk to strangers, I was right there beside them. So I understand the... The nature of talking to strangers is a bad thing if you let your kids roam about like like gypsies. You know, I get that. But no, making sure that they have this ability to talk to others. That should be what they see in you. And that should be what we foster. But we don't often because oof, this dependency thing, I'm not I'm not about that. I don't I don't really care for that. But in the body of Christ, there is no such thing. I don't need that. I don't need you. Have you ever felt that? You know what? I had a bad day at services today. Somebody told me this or that. I don't need them. I'm going to walk away. Have you ever heard somebody say that or think that? I don't need them. What did Paul just say? That's not true. And it's hard, I'll grant you, to stand in front of the mirror of life and go, that cranky, mean, self-centered brother or sister in Christ, you want to tell me I need them? No. Paul says you do. Well, what do I need them for? Figure it out. Figure it out. Because I look around this room and I don't see a face in here that hasn't provided me with something valuable in my time here. Not a single face. When visitors come, they let me know, wow, there are others. (laughs) You know, they let me know, hey, there are others out there who still love the Lord, who still think it's important to come together to worship. That that That's really... And I, I've only known them for a few seconds. Wow, you came to visit us? Thank you. Have a seat. Please listen intently. Please become a part of who we are. And test it against the Bible to make sure it's true. Because we don't want anything else now. That's what unity really is. Race, privilege, ability, wealth. All these take a back seat. Or they're going to fester. And they're going to destroy us. At the very least, they can steal our hope away from salvation. And that should never be allowed. 
What is it that that person gives to me? You know, I told my son, my sons, all their lives, they always ask me, how come I don't know Uncle blah, 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 or Uncle blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, son, uh, there are people I want you to be around, and there are people I don't want you to be around. Just because they're my brothers don't mean they're spiritually important people who can, I want influencing you. I want you influenced by spiritual people. And I want you to be closer to the brethren of the congregation (laughs) than you are even to my family. Because they're more family to you than mine will ever be. And that's a hard decision. (laughs) It's a difficult decision. And I tell them, and sometimes I wonder about that. Because my family taught me as much in their negativity as they taught me in their positivity. If not more. Because it's good. Remember we say, what's that cranky, mean, nasty person in my life for? Maybe to teach you that's not the way to be. Thank you for the illustration of exactly who I do not want to be. Thank you for showing me what it is that is the wrong reaction to this situation. Because I do not want to make that mistake again. And then you've got the others that walk up to you and say, Hey, how are you doing today? So good to see you. Call you up. He sends you a card. And you read the card. I walk to the back. You know, it's funny. I look to the back and I see Martin sitting out there and I think, after my sermon this morning, I get to walk to the back and I get a fist bump. He's right there at the back. If I do it right, if I do, if I if I say something he's not sure of, it'll be a soft fist bump. He'll give me the look. And we're gonna talk. But if it's if it's good, if it's good, then I get that, you know, that look in his eye with that fist bump. I look forward to that. Now, do you think it's stupid to look forward to a fist bump? No, it's all those little things. I come in Wednesday night, and Ed, Ed, Ed Coates comes up to me, Edwin Coates, he comes up and he goes, look, I printed this up, I wanted, I printed this up just for you. I think to myself, you were thinking about me? You were thinking about me when you printed that up for me to read? That is so cool. I mean, do we ever think like that? And I look at it, and I read it, and I see it, and I go, this is great. I, I wouldn't have found this. And I tuck it away in my file. I try to remember it. And sometimes he gives me stuff and I go, I don't get it, Edwin. <laughs> You're gonna have to, <laughs> he gets it. I don't get it. And that's a challenge. That's wonderful. I want to get it. Right? All these little things, you name it. You name it. I could, I could look at every face. You guys got an hour? I could go to every face in here. No? Okay, sorry. But I, I could go to every face in here and I can tell you each what you mean to me in very expressed detail and just the good stuff I don't even have to worry about the tough stuff or the challenging stuff but that's there too and that's okay that's the way that it is because we have to focus on what will not destroy but what will unify us because we're worried about and we're acting towards being dependent we need our time together to worship But we also need one another's love, one another's support, encouragement, correction, hope, 
Whatever it is, we need that. It doesn't have to come in an eloquent speech. But it can. But even this worship cannot be all that we are about. It has to be more. Right? We have to know each other. We have to have to make time for that. Even though this is really great. Because we are so connected, whether we admit it or not, that just like Paul says, we hurt and we rejoice together. There is something about being that one body that changes everything about who we are. That's it. That's all there is. Like I said, I can't see one face without identifying a need that you fill in me. And I sure hope I can do the same. Because you certainly do so valiantly. And that's just an incredible thing for me. As one works, the whole benefits. Though the whole is not one working, but many. That's what Paul just said, isn't it? That's what it's all about. If you're doing something, I'm doing something. We're doing different things, but we're doing separate things. We're doing the same thing together. That's really weird to think about, right? And so often we point fingers because of that. Well, I sent a card today. How come nobody else sends cards? Well, they don't have to. You did it. You know, somebody's sick in the hospital. I went to see them. Why don't you go? I don't have to. You just did it. Why don't you do what I do? Well, you don't have to. Or you can't. So I do it. And that's okay, right? And we look at that and we sometimes build things that shouldn't be built in place of that. We're so busy comparing ourselves to ourselves as the Romans, as the Paul's letter to the Romans warns against. If we compare ourselves to ourselves, we are unwise, he says. So let's practice wisdom and compare all of our work to the Lord and glorify Him. Because we're going to help each other by doing that without even knowing we're helping each other by doing that. It's an incredible thing to be dependent upon God because we are the body, part by part. Look at the rest of those verses with me. Starting in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. A missing part hurts, doesn't it? Because it's still felt. Doesn't it? It hurts. So if we can, we work to remedy that. Have you ever seen or talked to anybody who lost a limb? And they say when the surgery is done and they wake up, they say, I swear I could still feel it. It's not there. Why do they still feel it? 
because the body doesn't know how to be without it. It just doesn't know how. It doesn't function that way. I don't have my arm anymore. That's not right. I can still feel it there because it's not supposed to be gone. That's how it feels. And that's what Paul is having them understand. Whether it be a wayward member, someone who's hurting because of anything, someone who's rejoicing because of anything, you know, it's just amazing. It could even be a ghost or just a memory. It's funny. If you look at the congregation from my point of view, you see the holes. Sister Kirchville used to sit over there. <laughs> Randy and, and, and uh, Marina used to sit right back there. The Aitchisons used to sit right there. There are holes. Because the body is not supposed to be in parts. I'll look over there from now on and I'll say the burdens are supposed to be there. The dickies are supposed to be there. I'm going to be freaking out all over again. It's just the way it is. The body doesn't know how to be separate. And if we can all feel that and know that and understand that, then the body will never be divided because of stupid things. I don't care. I mean, I do care (laughs) how nice or cranky you are, whatever it is. But you are part of the body if you're a Christian. You are my brother, you are my sister, baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. We are part of the body. Paul says, so is Christ. And that is the important part of the lesson. It hurts because it's still felt. So whatever we can do to remedy that, we remedy that. We don't allow that to go on. There is no such thing as we don't need anyone else. We are the body of Christ by the design of God. And there's no altering that. And there's no changing that, though we may sometimes wish it so or impose it upon ourselves. Well, how do we stop that? Well, we just be different. You do what you can do with all of your might. If all you can do with all your might is, is come in on a Saturday and straighten the songbooks, you know, because they're, they're, they, you know, do that. Whatever it is you could do with all of your might, do it. Pray, study, visit, send, whatever it is that you could possibly do, invite. Whatever it is, do that. Do that with all of your might. You know what your strength is. You know what your work is. Do not allow anything to cause division in the body. But work towards unity. Because that's what the authority of the Scriptures will give us. Because authority is sinless. 
If I'm working by the authority of the Scriptures, I'm working beyond the power of sin. And that unifies. Let's let it happen. Can we? Can we each be the member of the church that I am needed to be? Whether locally, when we are in our congregations, or just of the church as a whole. Can we do that? Let's try. If there's anyone here this morning that has not been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we don't like that feeling. (laughs) We don't like that lost limb. We want to have it. God wants you. He wants to save us all. And He tells us how over and over and over again in the Scriptures, doesn't He? Over and over and over again He tells us. Look at all those passages up there. I'll send you a copy if you want. You you just read them all. Study them. This is what He says. This is what it means to be saved. It doesn't just mean believe. It doesn't just mean I felt something someday. It is a life of activity. Common activity that we can all share in. And if you are baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, if you are a part of the body, strengthen that. If you've fallen short of that, turn around. Try again. That's what life is all about. Because we're human. If you have any need, Whatever the need may be, please let it be known to everyone here while we stand and while we sing.